Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Piper Brinkley. Piper is from Malden, South Carolina, where she and her husband are small business owners who run an IT services company. Welcome, Piper. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so glad to be here talking to you today. And I want to let everybody know that I actually met you face-to-face for the first time this past Saturday, because you are, what, two and a half hours from Augusta? Two and a half hours from Augusta, and I married a man from Horse Valley Creek, Horse Creek Valley, is that right? Yes, which is between Augusta and Aiken, so it's it's right right nearby, y'all, they're, they're neighbors of ours. Yeah, so I was able to work that in and crash your Saturday Starbucks meeting there. Awesome. Yeah, we have a local group that meets every Saturday and we get together for coffee and 
we started off as a Delay Don't Deny book study group, and we went through the book study week by week. And then it's just really evolved. Now we sit and chat, and sometimes we talk about fasting. And (laughs) we talked a lot about our children's weddings because three of us in the group have kids that are getting married or I actually haven't announced this on the air, but my son Cal has been engaged and they actually eloped. So I now talk about how my son is already married and I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yes, but you get to have a party at your leisure. That's that's a fun way to do it. I hope so. We're hoping to have a party, but I am a little sad listening to the other moms talk about wedding plans and I'm like, well, uh, we're done. <laughs> But anyway, it was great to meet you face to face. And so also really glad to talk to you today about your intermittent fasting journey. You've listened before, so you know that I like to start off by asking, you know, what brought you to intermittent fasting? All right. Well, I don't have a super dramatic weight loss story, so this is not it for everybody. I haven't been terribly overweight in my life. I've always been kind of 10, 15 pounds over at most. I've blown up just twice in my life. One was when I lived in Italy for a semester and studied art over there, and I had access to wine and beer underage here in America, but right on target for the drinking age over there. Overdid that and ballooned up, and I remember having to get help for somebody to zip up my coat because I could not bend over and zip it up at the same time. But now I wear that coat all winter and it's no problem. I can zip it myself. The second time was when I got married and I call it happy fat. When you just gain happy fat because you're living with somebody and you're just lazy and eating late and just indulging. That happened in 2014 and I ballooned up to a size 10. And I want to tell you that I'm 5'3 and for me that was wide. That was just where I felt uncomfortable in my skin. I felt like I couldn't move. It was difficult going in bumps in the car. I could feel my belly jiggle, and I didn't like that at all. I think it's important for us to talk to all sorts of people on the podcast here because not everybody needed to lose 100 pounds or or 80 in my case. And for somebody who is used to being a good weight for your size, for your height, I mean, needing to lose 10 to 15 pounds because you feel uncomfortable is just as legitimate, you know, as someone who needs to lose 80 because I wish I had been able to get my handle on it when I was only 10 to 15 pounds overweight, but I didn't. I was still struggling. So I think it's important for you to tell your story. Yeah. So it's not dramatic, but for me, this is still life changing to discover. But how I did it was when I was that happy fat and with my husband and everything, we got big and he loved me just the same. I mean, he just probably likes me a little fluffier than I like myself, but that's okay. Mine too, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think men like a little something to grab onto, but anyway, I was trying to feel better within myself and I was probably around 138 right then, 140. So I was fluffy. But then I discovered French women don't get fat. And I love this because we were big drinkers and we would have lots of wine and cocktails and stuff like that. And I could manage to drink while I did this way of eating. And she's all all about balance and making sure that you enjoy your food, which I love. I love food and I love to eat. So this was great. And I got a little bit slimmer. I slimmed down a little bit. I didn't feel like I was at max capacity for my body. 
And then I discovered, I think I saw on Netflix at 5-2. Right. The Dr. Michael Mosley documentary. Yes. And so what I did was I tried to do two days a week where I would do 500 calories. Now, my old style of thinking was, oh, I'm going to do 500 calories throughout the day. It never occurred to me to put it all in one meal. So I struggled through those days and that was awful. And I forgot to mention with the French women don't get fat. She has a cleansing detox, magical leap broth, and you're supposed to do it for like a weekend or something. It was awful, Jen. It was like, I was always starving and I was just like, this is miserable. And I could only ever do it like one day. And then, you know, nobody wanted to be around me. I didn't want to be around myself. And the same thing on those 500 calorie days, I was like, I'm never eating anything. And it was just kind of torture. It's just so surprising for people who've never experienced it that, you know, eating a little bit throughout the day is so much harder than eating nothing. Awful. And I'm a meal eater. Well, I wanted to point out, I also read that book, French Women Don't Get Fat. And I loved it because the whole premise of it it's really very much the probably the way I, I eat now. I mean, it is. You know, you enjoy the foods you want to eat. I use real butter. I use real everything. And I stop when I'm satisfied. And I, you know, I still drink wine, but I don't need to have as much, just one glass. And I think that probably a lot of French women may do intermittent fasting without even realizing they're doing it. Well, and they kind of do. They have their little coffee at first, and then they might have a little light something later. And then, they, you know, they kind of, coffee's big in Europe if you think it's big over here. (laughs) So, but they have the smaller, you know, the little stuff. But anyway, I just think I love the concept of enjoying your food and eating what you enjoy and that kind of thing. I think that's what has stuck with me even into this lifestyle. But Once I discovered, I found the eight-hour diet. That's by David Zinchensko. That one really, for me, was like, oh, you just limit your eating to eight hours. And for me, that was lunch and dinner. And I, Jen, the first day that I did that, and I always drank my coffee black, so I just accidentally started clean fasting before you even wrote your book. It was just That was how I did it. And I knew the day one, my guts felt so much better immediately. And I knew, I was like, oh, I can't describe the relief that occurred from stopping eating for just that brief 16 hours, you know, the first time. So when was this? What year was this when you started doing that? This was the summer of 2014. Sometime in August, I think. That's great because that's funny. We actually then started at the same time because August of 2014 is when I switched over to intermittent fasting after doing keto that whole summer. Didn't lose a pound, even though I did it perfectly, you know, because I don't do anything halfway. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to follow all the rules. And I did not deviate one single time and I lost zero pounds. (laughs) But then I switched over to intermittent fasting. And you didn't feel good. I know I don't feel good on keto. I tried Atkins when my mom did it. And I tried it one day and I was like, and that sounds awful for people that really stick with it. I don't have the tolerance to do that. If my body doesn't feel good, I can't deal with that. And I didn't feel satisfied. And it was awful. 
What they say is, you know, give your body time to acclimate, you know, just like we say with intermittent fasting, you're not going to feel great necessarily with intermittent fasting day one, give it a few weeks, but I gave keto the college try. I mean, I did it. I adjusted my macros. I never started to feel better. You know, they're like, oh, when your body adjusts, you'll feel amazing. Well, no, I didn't. It's, you know, not right for my body. I did not feel amazing. Now, I believe the people who do feel amazing and I you know, applaud them. And I'm glad they found that it works for them and I support them doing it. So I'm not (laughs) anti-keto. And I'm not either. There's a time and a place for that. And I have keto days every once in a while if I feel like I need it, but I can't do it full bore for sure. Yeah. So we both were starting our intermittent fasting lifestyle right there in the summer of 2014. And like you, I had dabbled before then, you know, from 2009 to 2014, I dabbled in it and never could make it stick, you know, for many reasons, but (laughs) we've been doing it the same amount of time, which makes me happy. So you were doing the eight hour diet at that point. So how did that go? It went well. It was really easy. I found it was very satisfying. Now I'm a big meal eater. So I would start with lunch and I would eat lunch and lunch is still my favorite time to eat. My one meal a day that I do now is at lunch and that's where I like it. Sometimes it's dinner. Sometimes I do it like later in the afternoon. It just depends on what's going on or how much I have to do. But I, I like eating early in the day. With the eight-hour diet, I was drinking then, so that fit with, with that. I fit it all in there in that eight hours. Sometimes my eight hours would extend out because I was drinking or whatever. And then the next day was harder. If I had my later booze, I would have a little struggle there in the morning but could push through to lunch. So I did that, and then I kind of experimented with once or twice a week I would do just dinner. And that got me slimmed down. I didn't, I don't remember how much I weighed then because I'm, I really don't like to weigh. I'm not a big weigher. I think the scale can be useful for some people. And I'm just not one of those people. I'm five, three. I don't have a dainty frame. Most people say I I look strong, so I'm not fragile looking. (laughs) There's nothing. I thought you looked really just Tiny and powerful. Good. Well, that's, I will take that and run with that, Jen. Thank you. Like a little superhero. (laughs) If I could fly, that would be incredible. I feel like I can, but I don't try. But yeah, so just one or two of those 24-hour fasts, and I felt great. And I slimmed down. I think by Christmas, I was back in the jeans and clothes that I wanted to be in. I just remember that. I, I looked normal. Maybe a little bit on the fluffy side I was drinking, but not bad. Like I felt comfortable again. I was back to where I felt comfortable. And so that was the goal. And I felt great. So I was still fasting. Then in January, I got pregnant. And I knew it before I even missed my period because I felt like I need to eat breakfast. And that was the first time I ever felt that way, really. You know what I mean? You're the second person that I've heard say that like within the past week because, you know, I record this podcast a lot farther out than we do the intermittent fasting podcast. So listeners of both will have already heard this story, but we had someone write into the intermittent fasting podcast who said the same exact thing. She got pregnant and before she even had a positive pregnancy test, she's like, I got to eat. I got to eat. And she knew her body. I mean, that's just amazing to me. Our bodies communicate with us when we learn to listen. It was amazing, and I am so into listening, and I always have tried 
to listen because when I don't listen to my body, bad things happen. So it just makes everything worse. So I listened. I was like, oh, great. I was like, we were going to not have babies. We were going to not get married and just never say never. And in fact, we called my son never. You know, when I was growing and we called him, we referred to him as never. So never say never. It was funny. Anyway, and so I got pregnant and fasting was off the table. There was just no chance, especially the first three months. I mean, you're lucky to get food in you. I had morning sickness from three to nine every night. But other than that, you know, the first three months, I just still wanted to eat lunch when it was lunchtime was my main meal. But I had breakfast every morning, lunch, dinner. I wasn't overly hungry. My taste did change. I probably had more sweet tea in those nine months than I had in my entire life. Your body was wanting something in that sweet tea. It was wanting something in that sweet tea. I could not drink black coffee. I had to have very weak tea with cream and sugar in it. And that is very unlike me. In fact, after I had my baby in October, the first day that I woke up in the hospital, I wanted black coffee. Isn't that interesting? Wow. It is. Again, you said earlier, you know, bad things happen when you don't listen to your body and you are absolutely in tune. Yes. So I did that the whole pregnancy. I was very in tune. I mean, it overtakes you. Pregnancy is a huge deal. Not only are you making a whole nother human, it takes over your body and it's an amazing process, but you're doing big work there for sure. And I was pregnant for 42 weeks and then I pushed that baby out. And just because that's how we work together, I was able to breastfeed and I did so. And I do want to say that it's very important that A fed baby is a happy baby, so it doesn't matter how it's done as long as that baby's fed. I just want to say that. Yeah, I think that is important. Yeah, I'm one of the women who did not, I was not able to breastfeed. It didn't work for me. I tried really hard. My first was five weeks early and he couldn't latch on. And I was like going to breastfeed and I was like crying and talking to the pediatrician on the phone. And they're like, give the baby a bottle. And I'm like, but I'm a failure. And they're like, feed your baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, your baby doesn't suck, right? <laughs> that's all. I mean, that's all. And so I just want to say a fed baby is a happy baby and it doesn't matter. Now my baby just, my baby sucked and that's it. And my boobs were working with that. But I tell you what, breastfeeding is the most draining thing that I've ever done in my life. I have never been hungrier in my life, Jen, than when I was breastfeeding. I would have breakfast, I'd have second breakfast, I'd have lunch, I'd have a snack. I mean, I ate so much, so much more than during pregnancy. It was an enormous energy drain. Yeah, you're literally supplying, you know, energy for a second person. Yes, and is not to be taken lightly. Do not fiddle with it. Looking back now, I'm thinking it was at least 12 hours of eating, solid eating. So I think that's that's important. Just don't even tinker with the fasting. And I even breastfed for 15 months because I work from home and I would just worked out that way. And I was very excited to get back into fasting after that. But I went all the way until my son was fully weaned. And I, I think that's really important because that is what doctors recommend. And there's sometimes people who are like, yeah, but it doesn't affect my milk supply. So I'm going to just do it anyway. And I would really like to encourage people not 
to tinker with intermittent fasting or even any kind of, you know, dramatic weight loss plan while you're breastfeeding. You know, think about that as the fourth trimester. You know, you're still growing that baby. And there's an excerpt from a, a breastfeeding book. I can't think of the name of the book. It's like a manual of breastfeeding that says that women who are breastfeeding should not attempt to lose a lot of fat during that period because we know that toxins are stored in our our fats. That's one thing our bodies do. We shove away toxins in our fat cells. And as we're releasing that stored fat, it also releases the toxins. So I don't know. I don't want to be feeding my old toxins, excreting that through my breast milk. So even if you're making lots of breast milk, that's not the only metric here, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that's true. And there's quality of breast milk that you want to keep in mind too. And it's just too much. You're burning supposedly five to 800 calories a day, just breastfeeding. And I believe that it felt like that because if I had a two active of a day, I would be wiped out by 5 PM. We also know that, you know, autophagy is ramped up during fasting and that's where our body breaks down old junky things and reuses them and recycles them. And I don't want to be breaking down old junky stuff, you know, when I'm trying to feed a baby. That's right. And you just want to take care of you, take care of that baby and just keep your body fed. It knows what to do. And it's a process even coming off of breastfeeding. There's an adjustment period. And that for me was when I, after I weaned my son, no longer breastfeeding, not even the once or twice a day that I think it was at the very end. And my son didn't talk until, I don't know, 16, 18 months. So, you know, he wasn't asking for it or anything. And it was, it was more for me probably than him at that point. But I was ready, very ready at that point to be done. But you, I was only having the one kid, so I went full bore with it. So it was a little, it just worked out. And the people that pump and feed, that is like double duty. So hands up for them. But it's a lot of work. But anyway, so when I weaned my son, I was like, I want to get back into fasting. I couldn't wait to not have to think about breakfast. I couldn't wait to just give my body a break again and to have my body to myself. So I looked and I found your book on, I think, Kindle, you know, Amazon Kindle. And I was like, huh, let me just see what's going on with fasting. And I just was blown away by kind of not only your writing style, which was very approachable, but just what you said in the clean fast. I was like, oh, well, I had already been doing that. That's awesome. And Just kind of seeing your story, I think, resonates with so many people, even people in my life. And I've given your book to members of my family. I've got you look at me and I'm going to be like, hey, have you heard about fasting? (laughs) So I'm probably a little bit, I'm not aggressive about it, but just be careful. You're excited. You're excited about it. That's like me. Yeah, it's exciting because it just, it feels right. I think it can be adjusted to almost everybody. And so the versatility of it is great. And what you get out of fasting is phenomenal too. So I was back down to my regular size after I resumed fasting and got over the fluff of breastfeeding and everything. And then kind of fast forward, it was just good to be back to fasting. Fast forward to May of 2018, I decided to quit drinking. And this is alcohol. That was my big thing. Now I was 128 pounds and about a size six in May of 2018. I quit alcohol 
And I was ready for a lot of things, but I wasn't ready for how wonderful I felt being off of a booze. It was extremely life-changing. And my body was so happy to be off the roller coaster of drinking. And I wasn't a huge heavy drinker. I was more a habitual drinker where I would have to drink my cocktail, you know, every day, not wine o'clock, but five o'clock cocktail time. And cutting that out, you already have practice as a faster to be kind of outside of social norms, you know? So this is kind of the same thing when you decide to tweak alcohol. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, you're not doing what everybody else does all the time. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So what inspired you to make that change? Like what was like, you know, I think I'm going to stop alcohol completely. There was a lot of whys, but my main why was I felt like my world was more revolving around alcohol than my toddler. And it just felt like I was impatient with him in the mornings when I was recovering. I was edgier overall. And I didn't like that. And toddlers are, they're just little things that are just little babies trying to figure out the world, you know, and they just want to have fun. And they just, and I just couldn't do that. I just didn't have it in me. And I just had to make a decision. Where's my priority here? And it's with my son, 100%. So I just found that, you know, I think we're asking the wrong questions about alcohol. I think we're asking, you know, hey, I'm not living under a bridge right now. I'm good. But really, it's like, is this getting in the way of my life and how I want to live my life or how I want to sleep at night or how I want to wake up in the morning or how I want to fast? 
And is this getting in the way of what I want to accomplish in a day? And for me, all of that was. The answer to that was alcohol was in my way. So I just removed it. And there's a transition with that. You go to sweets and stuff like that. And I tackled one substance at a time. And long story short with that, I really further refined my body composition. And I'm now way more. I'm at like 132, Jen, I think. And I'm a size four. I've gained weight. I've gained four pounds. So that makes my whole fasting journey a net loss of what, six or eight pounds? Yeah. But you're so much leaner than you were. See, your body has changed. You've got muscle and less fat. And so you're leaner. And that's what people don't understand. You're like, oh no. See, some people would freak out. I've gained four pounds. I've been doing this for this long and now I've gained weight. Four pounds, suddenly what's wrong with me? Why is this, quote, not working, quote? Right. Am I a failure? No, because I'm smaller and I don't care what the scale says. The scale could say anything because it doesn't matter. And I've thought about this because, you know, my husband sees me trying and tweaking stuff. And then I still do because my body is not stagnant. And it's so funny because it's like, I realized, what am I going to do that's different when I have my goal body? Like, what is my goal body? Am I going for perfection? No, I'm not ever going to stop doing the fasting because I feel fantastic. And I might have been a buzz chaser with alcohol, but now I have ketosis. And that is a great high to have. It's a great sustained wonderful, natural feeling. I love it. It is. There's no better feeling out there. Truly. And it's natural and it's, there's no crash. You know what I mean? Like there's no negative. And I love that. I get into it better and more pure. I guess it feels more pure now that I'm not drinking. Well, you know, there's science behind why when we drink alcohol, that is providing energy to our bodies. And so the science of how our bodies process the alcohol is we burn that first. So let's say, you know, I never have alcohol alone. You know, I don't just have a glass of wine. I have a glass of wine and cheese and crackers and my dinner and a little something else. So your body works on the wine first. Then, you know, if you've had a couple glasses, three glasses, that's a lot of energy for your body to have to burn through before it can start to tackle the food. And so those excess crackers that I also ate along with it, I'm going to store a little more of that in my glycogen stores. And it's going to take me a little longer to get into ketosis because you're 100% right. I have noticed that, you know, I just had a moderator retreat at my house a couple weeks ago, and we did drink a little later in the evening, having a little more wine than I am used to. And so a little more draggy the next day, not getting into ketosis. And that is why. And so... I want to reiterate for people that are struggling with losing the weight, but you know, you're like, well, Jen, you told me I wasn't going to have to deny and I like to have my wine every night. There was a period of time that I absolutely delayed wine and it made a difference. I didn't have any alcohol at all. And recently when I was just moving, I was very busy, you know, morning, noon and, and night, moving, moving, moving. And I packed up the wine and I didn't even have any open or available. And I actually lost weight during the move. Yes, I was very physically active, but I also wasn't drinking any wine at all. And my clothes got really loose. 
Yeah, there's a process. And your liver has so much to do with your metabolism and processing this energy and creating ketone, you know, all that stuff. And I'm telling you, if it's dealing with all the toxins of alcohol, it's a drag on all the other processes that it has to do. And that's what fasting exposed for me was what the alcohol was doing to my body and what it felt like. And it just exasperated it is what I feel like, like my intolerance to it. So I stopped, that's all. And I don't care if people drink around me. I'm not going to judge anybody. I mean, I've been there. I was at professional level of drinking. And after that, you know, what is there? So you do your thing. I keep my eye on my own glass. I do want to say that, but I am so happy. And I would encourage anybody that is a major tweak And you don't have to do it forever, but I would encourage you to try it. Jen did it. I've done it. I'm over a year now. I think I'm edging up to 500 days. So I'm feeling good. And that's the point. Do what makes you feel good. I really would encourage people to try that just because you really may not be aware of how great you feel. And that really could be the thing that's holding your body back from tapping into your fat stores. And even a rest is good. I did start a group because so many people fast and they have discovered that alcohol no longer agrees with them for whatever reason. And I have that little intermittent fasting and alcohol-free lifestyle group. And it's just an alcohol-free zone. It has your same philosophy in there. We refer people to your group if they come from other sources or whatever, because people are there that are in recovery. People are there that are alcoholics. People are there that are just curious about sobriety. And it's a whole mix of people, but it doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's just kind of, it's okay if you don't drink, like we're taught to drink, you know, for every event, every occasion. It's okay. Life is clearer And I'm more present now. I can say that. I love that you're doing that because I'm glad there's a space for people. So I I think that's wonderful. Definitely keep doing that. (laughs) I approve. That is Jen approved because my thing is we've got to figure out what works the best for our bodies. And when people figure out, gosh, alcohol isn't serving me well, like me and sugar, I've figured out sugar really doesn't work very well for my body. When we had the moderator retreat, somebody brought me some fabulous goo-goo clusters, I think they're called, from Nashville. They're peanut butter and chocolate. Love it. Another moderator brought me these wonderful, like, salted, what is this chocolate bar? Oh, it was delicious. I ate the whole thing. And then I had restless legs all night. (laughs) So I'm like, what? Sugar is my, for me, what alcohol, you know, I really, really, really should not eat an entire sugary thing because of the way it makes me, I really shouldn't. (laughs) I'm still learning these lessons. I don't think sugar is quote bad. I don't think it's fabulous for anybody. Just the same as, you know, over drinking is, but I think too much of anything can be bad. Extremes are extreme for a reason. Yeah. A little bit of sugar, like a little tiny piece of chocolate is not going to be an extreme for me, but I should not eat an entire candy bar ever. I've learned that yet. I keep doing it. So (laughs) I know sometimes you have to relearn some lessons I've found. Yeah. I do not have it 100% together, everybody. None of us do. And that's the great thing. And the beautiful thing about fasting is you don't have to either. I mean, some days have longer windows and some days have shorter and you never fall off the bandwagon. Yeah, Yesterday, I had two meals and I just 
was hungry. I, I don't know what it was, what was different. I worked really, really hard day before yesterday. I finally unpacked all the boxes of stuff inside the house. And I have like all these crazy bookshelves. Like the, the people that owned this house, they loved books like nobody I've ever seen before. I've never seen a house with this many bookshelves, but I unpacked all those. <laughs> and so yesterday morning, I was like, I am really hungry and it's a different kind of hunger. So I had lunch. And then I also had dinner. My window ended up being, I think I just out of curiosity, I like to see, I think it was seven hours yesterday. See, and that's so indulgent, but sometimes you need that. I mean, for me, that feels so indulgent now because eight hours is a long time, but you need it. And some days you do that and that's fine. That doesn't mean you failed. You're listening to your body and sometimes it tells you to eat. My lunch was was bone broth soup from Bonafide. They sponsor the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. It was this butternut squash soup, and it was so good. And I put like so many crackers crunched up in there. You wouldn't believe it. But I ate that, and it was so good. <laughs> and my body was like, thank you. Yeah, because you just need it, and it's amazing. I did. And I didn't feel like I failed or cheated or did anything wrong. It's just I was like, I listened, and I ate, and I needed it. You did right by your body. That's what I said. Yep. So your husband also joined you with intermittent fasting. Isn't that right? Yes. When did he start? He started last summer kind of fasting. And he started because he always had Splenda in his tea or coffee. He's a tea drinker sometimes, but he would always do Splenda. I'm like, Jason, just leave the Splenda out. There's studies or tests or whatever scary stuff that you see. I'm like, just Leave the Splenda alone. Try black coffee one time. Try your tea black one time. Well, he did, Jen, and he went to lunch no problem. Before that, he was getting all cranky and hangry at like 9, 9.30. Ugh. And he was like, you're fasting. You need to eat. I'm like, yeah, I feel good. (laughs) People just don't realize how important it is. It makes such a difference until they try it. Then they're like, oh. (laughs) And he has not ever had Splenda since then. He felt so good. He's come a long way, but he has always had a longer window. He eats twice a day usually, but starting in December, he quit drinking as well. Since then, he has lost 30 pounds and he has totally slimmed down. Now he is a bird. I call him a bird man because he's got such a tiny little skeletal structure. I mean, they're just little, little guys. And I mean, I'm short, but he's 5'11". Mine too. They they sound very similar. Is he lanky? Would you call him lanky? He's not lanky because he's got good muscle definition. I mean, he's working out less than he ever did and he looks ripped. I mean, he looks like he's a weightlifter and it's just kind of, it's an amazing, he's like, I can't believe what I look like, you know, and he's <laughs> like looking in the mirror. <laughs> And he just threw in a couple OMADs once or twice a week to his two mads. And every once in a while, he'd do an OMAD during the week and he really slimmed down. Now, men are annoying with their weight loss sometimes on the scale. I think women get really frustrated with that, but men are men and there's not a great difference. Do realize that men have more muscle mass as a general rule so they can store more glycogen than women can. So women get into ketosis faster. That's probably why we have to have more fat on us. We have to have more body fat to be healthy. And we're, we're meant to have more fat, you know. 
we're not meant to have those washboard abs. Now, I'm not saying that a woman shouldn't have them because some women may have that body type. We're all different in the way our bodies are. So if you have washboard abs as a woman and it's just naturally what you do, nothing wrong with that. But I think we're, in general, our bodies want us to have a little more fat than that. Yes. And we carry it in different areas. And I think, you know, we're not ever going for 0% fat. We're going for the healthy range, which I think is like 19 or 20 to 24. It's generous and that's good. I don't worry about that. I know that every time I've ever, and you know, these scales that we have at home are not that accurate, but it always showed me with a higher percentage of body fat than you would think that you quote should have. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But I don't want to get caught up in worrying about, wow, I should have 15% body fat or I should have a six pack. I'm like, no, I should just be like this. This is fine. I'm not going to worry about that. I want to enjoy my life. Like we talked about with French women don't get fat. I don't want to restrict myself and not be able to have the food that tastes good. I added some heavy cream to my bonafide soup yesterday because I wanted it to be a little richer. Hey, butter goes with everything. I put butter in my little tomato soup if I have that. Oh, yum. I like to put heavy cream in my in my tomato soup. It is so good. So yes, we need to be aware that men and women are going to have, a, we have different physiologies. They also, because of the higher muscle mass, tend to have a higher metabolic rate. Yeah. And my husband needs to eat more than me. I don't need to eat as much as him. I do have a different eating style. I like to open with my meal and that's probably all I need. Maybe a little piece of fruit or a little dessert. My windows are very short most of the time, Jen, because that's the way that I like to eat. If I start with a snack, I will just snack and ruin my meal, you know, ruin my dinner. And I don't like that. It's really important that we have to find our own rhythm. You have to honor what your body likes. And I think it becomes a lifestyle when you can decipher what your body wants. And you can also match that with what you do and what you feed it. Yeah, because I prefer to have a snack. Because if I start with a meal, I can't eat as much. When I come out of the fasted state, if I start with a meal, I have to have a little bit and then later I can have my meal. Starting with a meal doesn't work as well for me. But I don't think that what I do is universal or should be tried by everybody. You've got to figure it out. See, and I like to start with a meal. And then if I'm hungry or really need something a little bit later, I can do that. And it's great. That's what my body likes. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. That might be a, a hint there. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love to eat a, a big meal when I eat, though. I'm with you on that. I like to feel satisfied. I like to feel, I don't want to feel overly full. I don't like that feeling. You know, I've certainly done that more times than I would like to admit. Because sometimes it's just so good, you don't want to stop eating it. But this is why I have a couple hours in between my snack and my meal. This is why I end up with a five to six hour eating window, just because having a little bit and then having more later, having the bigger meal at the end feels more right to me, just my body. But again, you've got to figure it out. And you honor your body. And my body says, you know what, Piper, your window's open. You need to get that food in you. And then if I'm still hungry later, I'll let you know. And normally I'm not, but I have to start with my tastes have changed. I want greens and I want protein. And then I want to like a little, usually I have like sweet potato. I might have some other starchy vegetable. It just depends on what's going on. And I don't want bread anymore. Wow. That's interesting. So you're, you're like not loving the bread. 
I'm not loving the bread. I'm channeling Marie Antoinette. If I want to have gluten, it's probably going to be in the form of a cake after my meal. And I just want greens. Like I'll go to Five Guys, have all that, and then come home and eat my kale salad. It's weird. My body will not be happy until I have that. Might have a piece of fruit. It's weird. I used to think that cheese, I was like, the only thing better than cheese is melted cheese. But now I could take or leave cheese. It's interesting. Wow. I still do love cheese. I love cheese. I love bread. But but I definitely am different about vegetables than I used to be. I think that our bodies, when we when we fast, like we said earlier, you become more in tune with what your body needs. Like when you were pregnant, you were in tune with what you needed because the fasting had gotten you there. And so we become in tune with our bodies, cry for certain nutrients. And so you're craving those things. You just have to have them. The brassicas, the dark green leafy vegetables, cabbage. Who loves cabbage? You know, I do. And Brussels sprouts. And I mean, I have to have spinach or kale or something, broccoli, anything, anything like that. I had like a plated Brussels sprouts pizza that you like, you know, came with the dough and you have to roll it out. And I'm not really good at at making a pizza crust, but I can do it. It's not pretty, but, and it had like balsamic and you you did the Brussels sprouts. It was so good. And I was eating it. And my 19 year old was like, you're just pretending that you like this. This is not very, I'm like, it is delicious. I don't know what's wrong with you. It is so good. He's like, I don't think, I think you're just pretending to like it. I'm like, I promise I'm not, but I never would have eaten Brussels sprouts before, but now I love them. Yeah, they're very good. Now I'm craving some Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I'm going to have to have some now. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So how many people do you reckon you've inspired to start intermittent fasting? Oh, Lord. Hopefully more than I know that are fasting because I talk about it enough. I've gotten my mom, my sister, one of my sisters, my dad, my husband, the lady at my kid's school, two or three people at the gym. A friend of mine lost like 40 pounds. She did it. She's been doing it. 
she loves it. She's like, you saved my life. And I love that. I mean, it's just, it's so good. Now my dad is a doctor and he does it. And it took me a while to talk him into it. And then he had to get over some surgeries and stuff like that. But he does it now. And he called me. He's like, I'm doing good. I just eat lunch and dinner. That's his voice, by the way. That's I'm, I'm doing my dad's voice. <laughs> but he's like, I can tell I lost some fat, not muscle. I'm really good. It feels really good. So it's neat to hear that. And he understands the science behind it. And just he's always liked to try stuff like that. So he's always doing the diet stuff and just because he doesn't mind being hungry, but this is really easy for him. So it's good. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, we are almost out of time. So I like to end with what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish you knew before you got started? I think for newbies, I'd say just remember that everybody is different. And so you see things that people are doing And take it in, acknowledge it, that's fine. But remember, don't get overwhelmed. You only have to know your body. And that's all that matters. That's so true. Don't say, what are you doing so I can do that exact thing? No, because it might not work. I mean, Jen, if I followed your way of doing it exactly, my body wouldn't be very happy. But it works for you and I do what works for me. And it's great. I just think, remember, just learn your own body and don't freak out. If it says you're, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. This is weird. Feed your body. It will go back to fasting. It will tell you when it's ready to go back to fasting. It's amazing. Your body has so much wisdom in it. Just listen to it. And that's very important. And that doesn't happen overnight either. No, it takes time. Your body's learning stuff. Your body knows how to do it. But it's going to catch up and everything's going to be, your body's not on a timeline. Your body doesn't care about a set goal of yours. It's going to keep you alive till that date if it can. And that's all it cares about. Yeah. Your body doesn't want to lose 15 pounds by a wedding in November. Nope. It does not care about that wedding. It wants you to be healthy for it. It wants you to feel vibrant for it. And that's about it. So feed your body, listen to your body and fast. I think I would want to say for people in maintenance, which I would consider myself in maintenance a lot. I would say when you are testing and trying tweaks and stuff, if you're faced with Two choices, like do I change what I eat or when I eat? Pick the one that feels the least restrictive. There will be one that, "Mm, God, that really sounds like that'll be hard. Or this one seems like this will be a lot easier to do. I'm going to try. Try the least restrictive one first. That feels like the answer. If you're not sure, just go with which one feels best and then give it time. Right. I was going to say that. I'm glad you said it. Give it time. Don't try a tweak for two weeks and say, oh, well, that didn't work. I mean, and, but if you know right away that, hey, this isn't going to work, always back off and try the other way. But don't do too much. If 24 hours feels good, that doesn't mean 72 is going to be great. Right. Well, Piper, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you for having me, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, 
I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.